Hello, and welcome back to the PSC in Conversation. The PSC is a specialist consultancy dedicated to improving UK public services. So this podcast is designed to share everything you need to know about the big issues affecting the public sector. If you're as fascinated as we are by the inner workings of public services, we have you covered. So don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts if you'd like to stay up to date. I'm Arup, I'm a consultant at the PSC, and I'm also a part of the diversity and inclusion team here. So I'm thrilled to be making my podcast hosting debut speaking about unbiased recruitment. We'll be talking about what it looks like in practice, our experience with introducing it here at the PSC, and most importantly, if it's making a difference. To answer these questions, we'll be speaking to Catherine Mulcahy, our COO, who will talk about the more practical side of what removing unconscious bias in the recruitment process looks like and the specific changes that we've made. Then we go to Chris Bradley and Roz Holly, who work with me on the diversity and inclusion team here at the PSC. They'll speak to the bigger picture of what we're looking to achieve from this initiative. We'll also hear from one of our newest recruits, Jack O'Brien, who went through this process to hear his experience. Unconscious bias has hit the headlines recently following reports of the UK chair of KPMG's comments saying that unconscious bias does not exist. An independent investigation into his comments is currently underway at the time of this recording, but it has spawned a lot of debate on the topic. We thought that this would be a good time to share our experience with introducing an unbiased recruitment process and take stock of what's worked and the hurdles we still face. Before we jump right into this conversation, it's important to say up front that we recognize that the causes of inequality in society, and subsequently the hiring process, are enormously complex. We're at the end of a long pipeline of so many influences that make it very difficult to remove bias entirely from our decision making. And we certainly don't want this to seem like a simplification of a very deep-rooted issue. But, as with all big change, there are certain things within our control which we're proactively addressing through this process. And of course, those bigger issues that aren't in our control and which we want to speak up about and do what we can to influence. We'll be talking about both in this podcast. To get us into the fundamentals of this topic, let's start with my colleague here at the PSC, Roz Holly. Hi Roz, can you tell us what unbiased recruitment is and why it's important? Hi Arup, uh, yeah sure. So uh, taking a step back, we at the PSE, we started talking about the impact of unconscious biases. So this is when people unconsciously or unthinkingly ascribe to stereotypes uh, about other people. And the impact of this then is, is that they could be treating people differently, even discriminating, uh, even if you don't mean to. And so it, it's hard to switch off your unconscious biases um, because by their very nature, you, you do them without thinking. So the next best thing is to be self-aware and honest. And then taking, a step, taking this a step further, uh, you can start to think about how to reduce the triggers um, that, might, that might cause, that might create them. So in recruitment, uh, to make it as unbiased a process as possible, we set out as a company to reduce the triggers for unconscious bias for unconscious biases. And I know that my colleague Catherine uh, later on is gonna um, highlight some of those key changes that we made to reduce um, the biases in our recruitment processes. Mm, thanks Roz, that's really interesting. Chris, can you tell us a bit more about why the PSC is thinking about this now? Uh, thanks Arufia. Yeah. Um, the PSC has been around for more than a decade and, and we've been on a journey, you know, like many small businesses have, have had to do. We've moved from a startup in somebody's back bedroom uh, to a small business to, to what we are now, which is uh, an established consultancy uh, delivering impactful work in public services. 
uh, and we will be around for years to come. We've got a clear brand. We, we work with a senior client base. So therefore, we've got a number of responsibilities to our current staff, potential recruits uh, and our clients. Um, you know, given that people are therefore the most valuable asset in our or, or business, you know, we need to find and then keep the, the very best. Uh, and a few years ago, we, we set out uh, to, to find a, a kind of more diverse route to, to finding people. You know, typically we'd uh, over the years found success in recruiting people at a, at a handful, if not just a couple of universities. Uh, but we felt at that point we were, we were missing out. Um, so this led us to undertake a little bit of research into, into recruitment diversity and specifically unconscious bias. Um, this kind of interest in, 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 in that topic area of understanding how we, we move forward with our recruitment mixed together with our values, you know, specifically uh, our respect value and our humility, humility value, uh, we were aware that we could do a lot better. Uh, so we asked ourselves the question at that point, how can we radically change our recruitment processes uh, to attract and hire a diverse group of talented individuals? Uh, thanks for that, Chris. That's a really intriguing journey. But what I want to ask next is, what does an unbiased recruitment process look like in reality? Catherine, can you talk us through the implementation process? So we work with an online platform called Applied, beapplied.com, that's designed to make it easy for teams to hire without bias. So firstly, receiving applications online means that from the start of the process, you can control who sees what information about your applicants. And for graduate recruitment, it also really helped us with handling the volume of applications consistently so everybody gets the same treatment. That's a first step in in, uh, being unbiased. Then looking at the process we had, we used to read lots of CVs and covering letters and found this is an area where bias is easily introduced. We had a tool for standardising CV review, but we found ourselves often reading between the lines when assessing candidates. Applied replaces this process with a small number of questions. So instead of guessing what the candidate wanted to say and what they were good at, we could directly ask them to express what they were looking for, what we were looking for in their covering letter or their CV. And we could review their answers to those questions without knowing anything else about them. Then we come to the core of the applied tool, the blind review. So these written responses, the answers that they write, are divided up among many reviewers and every response is sent to at least three people to review. As a reviewer, you see several responses to the same question, but you don't know who any of the candidates are and you don't link together two answers from the same candidate. You score the responses against the set criteria. Those scores are averaged so that you further remove bias, which would be due to any one individual who scores particularly high or low. That's the core of the applied process. So for several years, we used this process and we saw a great improvement in candidate satisfaction with the process and a huge reduction in the time needed to process applications. And we felt confident we'd removed some bias from the process. But in the last two to three years, we've taken this further still. So we followed on from unconscious bias training across our company. So in the interview itself, we've removed the CVs so that interviewers don't see CVs before the interview takes place. And we've removed the social chat at the beginning of the interviewers to avoid interviewers becoming biased by anything they hear from clients about, for example, where they've travelled from that day or anything else about their background. The other step we've taken is to standardise the interviews. So with the help of Applied's interview tool, we make sure all candidates are asked the same core questions and that these are designed to complement the assessments that were already made at previous stages. 
From using all this process, we've had positive feedback from graduates who've accepted jobs as well as those who declined offers from us. They valued the fact that we were considering fairness and removing bias, and they were comfortable going through the process knowing that this was the reason behind some of the more unusual, perhaps, ways we were doing things. That sounds like a lot of work, and it's really great to hear that we've got so much positive feedback from the people who've gone through the process. So now to hear a little bit more about that, we're going to talk to a new joiner who's just actually gone through the process. Jack, how did you find the blind application process? Was it similar to other application processes that you went through? Thanks, Arup. Well, for me, the recruitment process really was my first interaction with the PSC. And so I think as an applicant, it's important that the company you're applying for makes a good impression on you as well as the other way around. And in that vein, I think particularly with the blind questions and the fact that CVs weren't read, it was a surprise at first because I hadn't actually encountered a blind process like that. Uh, I do particularly remember at the time that it did drive home that emphasis on equality of opportunity, which is a value that I hold to be really important, having done some work in the widening participation team at university. So with that application process being my first interaction with the PSC, it did leave a good impression as a company that shared some of the same values as me. That's, that's really interesting. And did you find that the interview process specifically was different to others? Well, the blind aspects of the interview was definitely new to me. It was explained beforehand in some of the Q&A sessions, which were really informative. And again, at the start of the interview, with a big point being made that there'd be no social or small talk uh, to reduce unconscious bias. And that I should personally try to remove any identifiable references to universities or companies that I'd worked for in the past. So it was definitely something that I had to be conscious of when wording my answers. But beyond that, I think, even on a human level, it is a bit strange not having small talk at the start of an interview. Although it's a relatively small thing, it's sometimes nice to ease into an interview, especially if you're a bit nervous, understandably. But personally, once I'd got into the questions, it was completely fine. And again, with the case studies, because the focus there is more on a technical basis, the blind process of the interview was definitely overall a net positive. That's really great to hear. So to look at this from a a different perspective, we're going to come back to you, Chris. And as someone that held some of the interviews and is also sitting on the leadership team, did you find that the unbiased recruitment process was overall easier or harder from a business perspective? Um, To be honest, it was was a lot easier. Um, As Catherine said a few months ago, we've got this standardized set of questions now. Uh, and, and the applied platform handles all of our applications in, in a much better way than we had before. So, so you know, we, we've got these tools to handle many, many more applicants than we have done in the past. Um, our, our efficiency is much greater than it has been uh, before as well. So, so in summary, it's really great. Um, it's easy to run. And more importantly, uh, we believe we're, that we're able to, to be more inclusive, uh, more unbiased in our selection of the, of the best people. So that will make a difference to our business and our clients too. Thanks, Chris. So, so far, we've been hearing about how this process works and what, the, uh, what it felt like to go through the process. Now we're going to move on to the question we've all been waiting for, which is, has all of this hard work had the desired impact? And we're going to go back to Roz uh, to hear a little bit about that. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, and you're right that it was a lot of hard work. And um, just reflecting quickly, you know, some of those small changes that, we, you know, Catherine was articulating, just the volume that we of change that we went through, it, it can't be understated. Um so your question, did it, did it work? Well, I'm going to try and break this question down a bit. So 
because, you know, as Catherine made clear, we've made a number of changes and trying to connect the changes to the impact, you know, cause and effect isn't always that easy. So we were interested in two specific areas when it came to impact. The first was about whether we had successfully diversified the starting point of our recruitment process. So the pool of applicants to begin with. Um, So within that bucket, we looked at whether we had increased the number of applications from a wide range of universities and whether we had increased the proportion of applications from ethnic minority backgrounds. And the second, uh, the second element or impact that we were trying to measure is if our commitment to reducing bias in the process was having an impact on the diversity of candidates that we offered roles to. So let's just take that first element. Did we widen the pipeline, the pool of candidates um, applying as part of our graduate recruitment? And the answer to that from, from last year when we made all these changes is yes. So on the first bit about universities, we saw a big shift in the number and range of applications uh, from different universities. So we had 67 universities represented, which is up by 50% on on the previous year. And this is because of engagement with um, the Bright Network, with Upreach and going to a wider selection of careers fairs. And then on that second bit about Um, increasing the proportion of applications from ethnic minority backgrounds, uh, we saw a significant improvement. So uh, back in 2017, just 26% of our applications came from ethnic minority applicants versus 49% last year. So almost half of our applications last year were from ethnic minority applicants. So what I want to ask you next is, How did widening the pool of candidates in 2020 convert into diverse offers? In terms of what we looked to measure or could measure, uh, we we saw um, a a really positive conversion. So last year, uh, I mentioned that 49% um, of uh, applications, so the start of the pool, uh, the start of the process came from ethnic minority applicants. 43% of our final offers went to ethnic minority candidates. So that's almost in line with the the number of applicants starting that recruitment process, which I think is a really positive story in terms of how we think about our unconscious biases and how we remove bias from the process. However, that isn't quite the end of the story because... And I've kind of got two reflections here. The first is that sadly, not all of those offers to ethnic minority candidates converted into acceptances. Um, It dropped to 28%. So as we refine and improve our processes, we do need to work through and understand why some candidates decided not to join us. And the second reflection um, on this is that, you know, in order to show impact on you know anything you, you you try and do, you need to be able to have a tangible set of uh, metrics. And I think it's fair to say that going forward, we need to think about diversity in in all of its forms. So, for instance, we we didn't have anything on socioeconomic um, background. So, you know, these things sometimes are not that easy to measure, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it or you shouldn't strive for it. So, I think. Those are kind of two of the reflections as we've come through this process. Thanks, Roz. Yes, so this is a learning journey for everybody. 
So we're seeing some seeds of change, but definitely some unconscious biases that are proving harder to overcome. Roz and Chris, what do you see as the ongoing challenges and how is the PSC rising to meet them? Uh, yeah, I mean, if I could go first, I, I think we've made some really, as I mentioned, really positive changes and we're starting to get to some of the structural layers um, and trying to get underneath those inherent biases and try and remove them from our processes. Um, but, you know, as I mentioned before, we're going to have to do more firstly to understand why some of our um, app, our offers didn't convert. We need to look more at what are, you know, the best metrics to be looking at in terms of really thinking about diversity in all of its various different forms. And I think the other thing is that we have really honed our processes for graduate recruitment. Um, but I think there's a lot more to do with about uh, experience hires and how do we how do we offset uh, thinking about their experience, um, but not being blind to it. So we might need to have a very different process for, say, experience hires. And I think so there's still things that we're working through. Um, and uh, and I think as a company, the great thing about the PSE is that we're up for those difficult conversations. We don't shy away from them. We 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 want to go there. I, I don't know, Chris, if you'd agree with that or you have anything to add. Yeah, thanks, Ros. I, I, I do agree. I mean, I, I see that we've made great progress, um, but I see challenges too. Um, looking to the future, we, we need to make sure that this, this really good work in our recruitment feeds into our broader diversity targets that, that we set earlier this year. So, so this year we committed to some, you know, to three targets um, that 50% of our consulting staff uh, would be female by 2022, um, 22, uh, sorry, 25% of our consulting staff will be from ethnic minorities by 2025. And, and 50% of our leadership team will be female by 2028. So, so three big, big goals there that, that the recruitment does feed into and, 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 and you know, is, is the start of that process. So a lot, a lot of change still to come. Um, this last couple of years, though, doing this has shown that we can make a big change when we decide to focus on something, and this should bring us confidence. Um, however, we do need to continue to work hard, uh, be humble, listen to feedback, uh, and, and make many more of those important decisions uh, that we've, we've made over the last few years, many more of those in, in the coming years. And I think if we do that, we'll be stronger as a company uh, and then through our work in public services, you know, stronger as a, a society as well. Thank you, Catherine, Roz, Jack and Chris. We've heard today about the hard work required to get this just right. But I hope you'll also take away from this conversation just how impactful that work can be. If you'd like to learn more about Applied, the company we use to help us with this process, you can visit beapplied.com. Also, if you're interested in this topic, we're currently running a series over on our website that shines a light on inequalities in healthcare and shares the stories of people starting to drive a positive change. I recently wrote a piece with my colleague Katie on the diagnosis problem, where we talk about why diagnoses can be sadly fraught with inaccuracies for people from ethnic minority communities. And we ask, how can we improve it? So head over to our website, thepsc.co.uk to read that. This has been the PSC in Conversation. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back with another episode very soon featuring analysis on another one of the big challenges facing the public sector. 
please subscribe where you get your podcast, or we'd love to hear from you with questions, comments, or suggestions at hello at thepsc.co.uk.